Uh, John chapter 20 is where we're going today, and we're going to finish this up by talking about what your problems should be hearing. Uh, and, and really, what this week's is more what they shouldn't be hearing. They shouldn't be hearing ever your doubts. You know, it's easy to doubt, and it's easy to go, I don't know about this. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? You've been there where you're facing a challenge, and you just kind of go, I hope that this is going to happen. And I know it's easy to get into that. But in John chapter 20, we read the story uh, or the part of the gospel where uh, Jesus dealt with Thomas. And in verse number 24, now Thomas called Didymus, one of the 12, was not with his disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, if you remember what I said to you last week, um, I said that, you know, faith or believing doesn't need to see it or have actual proof of it because it it goes by based on what it's, it's hearing. And so, uh, but that's, this is where Thomas is, this is where we get the saying, I'll see it when I, when I believe it. But how many of you remember when I said last week, if you see it, you don't believe it, now you know it. So there's no reason to have any faith or, or to believe because you know it. But see, this is where, this is where Thomas is at, all right? Um, a week later, verse 26, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Uh, and through the, uh, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord, my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. What's he saying there? Blessed are those who don't need the proof. Blessed are those who don't uh, need to actually see it, but they believe me anyway. Blessed are those. And um, so you're going to have to give, give me a second here. I'm, I, uh, I, uh, my, my son dropped my iPad this week, so I'm having to preach off of a, a phone. And uh, I'm not as young as I used to be. So I used to make fun of people that did this, but now I'm, I find myself doing the same thing. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, now I've got to find it again. Um, let's see if we can find it. Here we go. Um, and so blessed are those who see and yet don't believe, or and do believe. You know, if you, if you can see it, Again, you don't need to believe anything. You know it. Now, you don't need to believe that I'm standing here in front of you right now. Even those watching online don't need to believe that I'm standing here. They can see me, so they know I'm standing here. And I want to say to you this. God's not interested in what you know. Your problems aren't interested in what you know. How many of you know the smartest people in the world have just as many problems as the dumbest people in the world? (laughs) It does, you know, <laughs> and I don't mean that wrong. I, I, you know, sometimes I like to lump myself in there as being some of the, some of the times I think oh, I got to be one of the dumbest people in the world. Uh, how could you think that? Uh, I have uh, I have just as many problems as the as the smartest person in the world or the dumbest person in the world. And if it was all based on what we know, 
then our problems could just go away the smarter we get. Now, sure, knowledge does bring certain answers to certain things, but then the more more advanced you get in life, there's a whole new set of problems that come up, amen? Now, that's not something we like to hear, but it is true, and I'm still looking for my place here because I am am, uh, not used to these little prints. Okay, all right. Now, how many of you know it would be easier, it would be easier to believe something or, or to, to accept something if you, could, if you really could see it. Now, you know, we talk in, in church, we talk about healing and we talk about prosperity and we talk about, you know, salvation. We talk about a lot of big things. And it's easy to believe those things if you can actually see it. Amen. If, it it's easy to say, I'm healed or I believe I'm healed when you feel healed. Amen. It's easy to say, or, um, you know, I, I, I'm prosperous. If you go to the bank account and you look and see that there's money in there, that's easy to do, isn't it? It's hard to say that when you're looking at something that's not there. I remember one time I, I was uh, sitting in an ATM machine uh, drive through. There was a guy sitting in front of me, and he was in like just a, you know, and uh, to be honest with you, it, it was just a, it was a piece of junk. I mean, it was like, it was a, a Ford 1970-something F-150 that was rusted out. And, and primer colored. Now, listen, this is northeastern Kentucky, so some of you all probably don't have any idea what I'm talking about, but rednecks are everywhere. Um, so sometimes you've seen those, those, those rusted out ray flag in the background, you know, in the back window. You know what I'm talking about? As, this is this guy. All right, this thing is, it, it looks like he, played, he paid $50 for this truck, maybe. All right, bald tires. I mean, it's just. And, uh, and he, he's doing his ATM thing there. And I, I remember when he drove off, his receipt spit out after he dropped off. So it's hanging there in, in the, you know, how the ATM receipts hang there. And so I pull up there, and in order to stick my card in, I've got to get his stuff out of the way. So I just grabbed his receipt and just threw it in the passenger seat and did my business and then drove off. And so uh, a little bit later, I was cleaning my car out, and I picked up that receipt, and I turned it, flipped it over and looked at it. And his available balance was $163,000. I was like, that guy left that there on purpose. He was showing off. Now, I looked at that, and I was like, am I seeing that right, or is is that negative? (laughs) And I thought, man, I was thinking when I was writing this, I was like, it would be easy to say all my needs are met if I was that guy that had that kind of available balance available to me right now. That would be easy, wouldn't it? And it's not always easy based on what you believe when, when, you're, when you're looking at something to the contrary. And it's when we are looking at things that are in the contrary that we have to make, and this is point number one, a decision to believe it. We have to make a decision to believe, all right? Now, how do we decide what, what we believe? Now, let's just take the Christian side of this out of it. Let's take the word side out of it. Let's just talk about beliefs in general for a second. How do we decide what we believe, all right? Usually what we believe is based on the information that we have on the subject at that time. Now, where do we get that information from? A plethora of places, okay? Okay. Um, you know, who are we hearing it from? 
who else believes this? Advertising. You know, it's up to you. How many of you know before you go buy a product, you, you, you watch those ads and you decide whether or not you believe what they're selling you or not? Yeah? I mean, I remember the first time, and, and this is terrible, uh, I, I, I used to stay up really, really late at night, every night, okay? I mean, I was a youth pastor for 20 years. You have weird hours anyway. But then my personality is I'm a, I'm a night owl anyway. So, so I'd stay up late at night, and I remember <laughs> an advertisement for the King Kong golf driver. Does anybody remember the King Kong golf driver? It was, it's a guaranteed to put another 60 yards on your drive. And I mean, and, it, and they're showing all these big, you know, these big long distance drive guys just killing it. And they're just making a package that's so well. And I was like, I am, I am buying one of those. I am going to make that happen. And I bought one and I was expecting 60 yards on my drive. I didn't change anything about my drive. <laughs> I didn't change anything else except the club that was in my bag. And come to find out that the 60 yards did come, but it was still going to the left in the shank that I gave it. But I believed what they were telling me. I was expecting the first time I hit that ball that it was going to go as straight and as long as the long-distance drive champion guy that they had on there. That's something, those are, these are things that we believe all the time. Do we believe it uh, on, on, based on advertising? I, I read a stat one time that in the course of a day, we have to put up with 10,000 discrete advertisements that are pointed directly at us. All right. Now, um, if, if, if you think about that, you think, well, I don't watch that much TV and I don't listen to that much radio. But when you drive down the street, you're looking at signs for businesses and you're looking at park benches that have stuff on it and you're looking at people's you know even the the listen they count the symbol on the front of someone's car i mean when you see that big blue oval with the word f-o-r-d in there that's an advertisement even though it's a ford car there is if you see that bow tie or or, or the dodge ram or whatever those are all symbols that are advertising to you all right and and we make a decision whether we believe it Right. Another area that we where, we where we decide what we believe is what did our parents teach us? You know, there's some things that we still, even though we've all had fights and we've all had disagreements with our parents, there are still things that in our life that are there because our parents taught it to us. Come on now. All right. What else do we base uh, what we decide if we believe? Um, our own experiences form our beliefs. All right. Uh, what the facts really are at the time. And also what the experts are saying, and we could go on listing other sources here, all right? But usually once we have this source of information come in, then we test it, and then uh, we, we test what we believe about that, and we come to what we consider to be our own conclusions, but whether or not this is true. Amen? This is what we're going to walk by now, okay? So if that's how we base general beliefs on, then how do we base what we believe about the, the things of God? Well, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing the, the word of God. All right. If you look it up in the message Bible, it says this, before you can trust, you have to listen. But unless Christ's word is preached, there is nothing to hear. So he's basically saying this, if we're going to believe something about God's word, we have to hear God's word. All right. It must be based on the word of God, all right? Now, 
It has to be in the form of, and we, 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 we can get legalistic here, and we can talk about it. it has to be heard, it has to be heard, it has to be heard. Really, the correct word here is communicated. It has to be communicated to you, all right? Now, there is a story of a young girl. Uh, my father-in-law tells this story a lot, that uh, she went to the ER, and she had a tremendous ear infection. I mean, she was just crying. They couldn't hardly touch the outside of her ear. I mean, she was screaming. And, and so they finally got her calmed down enough to, to be able to stick a scope in there and look. And the doctor's eyes got really big. And he took the little, the little tweezer things and he stuck way down in there and clamped onto something and pulled out a germinating wheat seed. And they started asking her, where in the world did that come from? Did you stick this in your ear? You know, were you playing around with something? And she had no idea what it even was, how it got there, or anything. And so then, they, they, after the, a course of events, they, they found out that they actually lived next door to a, a wheat farm. And, and, and I say next door, you know, a couple acres on over. <laughs> and so they, she lives there, and, and, and what happened is, it, it, what they, they think happened is that it was just windy, and weed seed just was, you know, blowing around, and one went inside of her ear and landed, and had been in there long enough to germinate and start sprouting roots, and that's what was causing the pain. It was starting to, to, to grow into her ear canal and stuff. Now, I tell you that story, and I say, you think, well, what in the world does that mean? Listen, what goes in your ears will produce fruit. It will. It absolutely will produce fruit. And so we have to base what we believe about God's word on God's word alone. Not our own experiences, not what somebody else taught us, because it doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's right. It has to be based on God's word alone, okay? So then once you hear God's word, you have to make a choice whether you believe it or not. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 5 uh, and six says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now that's the NIV version right there. All right. Another translation of that says you must believe that he is. And those words he is, is the same words that he spoke to Moses when he said, I am. That's the same, the same words there. What does he mean? I am exactly what you need. All right. All right. So you have to go and seek him. Now, to me, the world's got it backwards. I don't know. Maybe we've gotten it backwards, some in the church, too. It's almost like God knows everything that we need, and God knows everything that we're going through, and God knows this, and God, and he does. But he still told us we have to seek him. Now, if God knows and God's everywhere, how can he, we have to seek him? I mean, isn't he just like right there? How many of you played hide-and-go-seek when you were growing up? <laughs> I did. I, I know when I was, uh, I, I was going to say smaller, but I was, I sh the proper word's younger, because I was never really that small. I mean, I was always bigger than everybody else. Uh, and so I, I grew up, uh, my cousins, I, I mean, I had tons of cousins, and, and we would play hide-and-go-seek in my grandparents' house. My grandparents had a huge house, uh, you know, and, and still, you know, still do. And, and um, uh, we'd go down in the basement, and it was a full basement, as big as the rest of the house. And so we'd go down there and play, and my cousin was a little guy. I mean, he'd just fold up and disappear. And he'd just vanish. And, and I, 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 I was doomed. If, if it was my turn to hide, I'm getting found. There was just no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm getting found. 
okay? He would fold up into a ball and disappear. And the thing that would make me so mad is after I'd look all over the place for him and I would accuse him of cheating, he's left, he's gone upstairs, and I'd get so mad, and I'd be like, fine, I guess I'm it again. And he would step out from behind something, and I know I was just standing right there. (laughs) Now watch this. Just because I didn't see him or didn't know he was there didn't mean he wasn't there. He was there the whole time, okay? And we've substituted, listen, we've substituted um, looking for God and seeking God uh, as thinking that he's not there. Listen, God's there. He wants us to come and find him, though. We can be in God's presence. And listen, I believe the whole world is in God's presence. I believe that you know, he holds all of creation in his hands. So we have to be in his presence if he's holding everything in his hands. But that doesn't mean that he's just there waiting to do anything. Isaiah actually says this, truly you are a God who hides yourself. So if we're in God's presence, what, what do we need to go seek him for? We need to go seek him because that's what pleases him. All right, He tells us that he wants us to trust him and believe in him without knowing everything about him. All right? God is not interested, again, in how much we know. He's interested in how much we can believe him without the proof. All right? Now, it, let me say this. It is much easier to know everything. I wish we all could. But if we know everything, then what do we need faith for? Okay? All right? He wants us to think to think about what we're doing with him instead of just knowing everything that we're doing. You know, if, if I know everything about, listen, me, me and Jody have had multiple conversations about multiple things in our lives. And she can tell you as well as I can tell you how frustrating it is when one of us or the other, and we're both guilty of it. When they start talking and we just go, oh, I already know what you're getting ready to say. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? No, nobody else goes through this in here, right? If you know everything, then where's the engagement process? All right, this is not in my notes. I'm just going to go with this for a second. All right, how many of you remember in the Garden of Eden when when God showed up and Adam is hiding, and Adam's over there hiding, and God comes in and goes, "Adam, where are you?" How many of you all know God knew where Adam was? He knew where he was. He knew absolutely no question about it. Why? God knows everything. He knows where Adam is, and yet he takes the opportunity to go, Adam, where are you? Why? Because he's, he's wanting that interaction with Adam. He's wanting a relationship interaction. Listen, when you play peekaboo with your little kids, you know, my, my, my two-year-old and my, he's almost two years old, my 20-month-old and my, my five-year-old, both of them, when they were little, you could lay the covers over them and go, where's Preston? Where's Peyton? And they just giggle like crazy underneath there. Now, do you think for one second, do you think when you play with your babies and your little people in your life, do you really think that you don't know where they went? No, but you're loving the interaction there, correct? Listen, this is exactly the same way. This is why we don't know everything about God, because when we don't, we have to exchange with God. We have to interact with God based on what we believe. Why? Because now we're engaged with our heart. We're engaged with our spirit, and that's what pleases God. All right? Listen, being a Christian is not an order, it's a choice. Okay? 
And so if we're going to believe the things about God and we're going to believe these things, it has to be because we choose to, not because we have to. All right? Even Jesus himself had to live by faith. Now, according to Philippians chapter 2, verse number 6, um, we're talking about Jesus here. He said, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Now listen, this is what I believe. Now you can, you can take this or leave it if you want to. But I believe when Jesus came to the earth, he didn't come with all the foreknowledge of remembering everything that was in heaven. Because I believe it says when he emptied himself, he completely emptied himself. And when he got here, because if he's our model and he's what we're supposed to be like, then that means that we can know everything if he knew everything. But I believe that he, when he emptied himself, he really did empty himself. And he had to choose to believe what he was. Listen, he was raised as a Jewish little boy. Anybody know how Jewish little boys are raised? They have to memorize the whole Old Testament, word for word. And so I believe as he's memorizing the whole Old Testament and putting the word into himself, I believe that he, something in him started to bear witness with him. And that's when he chose to believe, hey, this sounds like what my mom was telling me. This sounds like, this sounds like how I was born. And I believe that he started to, to really start to, to, to believe those things and, and to choose to believe those things. Listen, Luke chapter 2, verse number 40 says, the child continued to grow and become strong. Check this part out increasing in wisdom and the grace of God was upon him later on in verse 52 and Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man now how do you increase in something if you have it all already okay he was raised like a little Jewish boy and he's reading and he's studying and he's memorizing and these things are starting to come to life to him this sounds like what my mom always told me about me and he had to go and find what the word said about him. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to reclaim, uh, release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them today, not when I was born 30 some years ago, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Okay? Listen, once you believe it, this is the point where you have to decide to walk by faith, to live by faith, as the words cause it. All right? Even when everything else points to something contrary, this is where doubt comes in. When you, when you read what God's word says and your circumstances say something else, when your problems say something else, now this is the point where you have to decide, do I believe this or do I not believe this? All right? Any, now, if you really believe it, anything and everything got contrary to what God's word says about your problem is now an illusion. Okay? A deceptive appearance or impression. That's what the definition of, of illusion is. 
But how many of you know if an if a illusion is believed in, a, an illusion can send a completely different message than what's really being said? It'll bring about other circumstances in your life. I know the first time I saw David Copperfield on TV, I was convinced the boy worships Satan and that he's made a pact with the devil. Look at that. He's flying all around the stage. And, you know, and these new guys, you know, they kind of lean in on the guys with the long hair and the makeup and all this. Thing, and, they, and, you know, and they do all these illusions. And you're just thinking, that, that guy's made a pact with the devil. Anybody else seen Chris Angel and those guys? I mean, I watch them and I'm like, huh, you're, do you know God? It's scary. Why? Because these illusions, are, you, you start to believe in them. And then when you watch how they do it, and you're like, that's it? Now, this is, sounds, I, I remember the first time I watched one of those how-to video things, and it was actually Chris Angel showing how he levitates. And I was never so disappointed in how simple the trick was. I mean, literally, he had, a, he had a pair of pants that had a Velcro seam down the front, and he just peeled, like he's standing with his back to you, and his shoes, his shoes were the special part. They had magnets in them, so when he stood like this, they connected together. He peels back his pant and put it up on the platform, and he literally stood up on this leg while his pants and everything were pulled tight behind him. And I was like, that's really it? No wires, no, no, it's your foot? How disappointing. Now listen to me, this sounds a lot like what's going to happen when we see, when the, when the enemy is revealed to us. We're going to be, this is the one that made the nations shake, and this is the ones that caused all this turmoil. This, this sounds an awful lot like what's going to happen with, with people when they, they realize what happens. We've been believing in illusion. All right? It is scientifically proven that an illusion can make you see something that you're not seeing. Duh, Brent, that's why it's called an illusion. This thing is called the McGurk effect. Now, I'm going to show you a video, and you all know me. I like to show videos a lot. The McGurk effect. And instead of getting to this big, hairy explanation, I'm just going to show it to you. All right, watch this. Now, everybody look at the screen and watch, because this is going to blow your mind, okay? I'm talking like, seriously, bake your, bake your brain, because it did mine. All right, maybe I don't have enough to bake, but... In one moment, we are being bombarded by sensory information. Our brains do a remarkable job of making sense of it all. It seems easy enough to separate the sounds we hear from the sights we see. But there is one illusion that reveals this isn't always the case. Ba, ba, ba. Have ba, a look at this. Ba, what do you ba. hear? Ba, ba, ba. Ba, ba, ba. But look what ba, happens ba, when we change the picture. Ba, ba, ba. Ba, ba, ba. And yet, the sound hasn't changed. In every clip, you are only ever hearing ba with a B. It's an illusion known as the McGurk effect. Take another look. Concentrate first on the right of the screen. Now to the left of the screen. 
The illusion occurs because what you are seeing clashes with what you are hearing. In the illusion, um, what we see overrides what we hear. So um, the mouth movements we see as we look at a face can actually influence what we believe we're hearing. If we close our eyes, we actually hear the sound as it is. If we open our eyes, we actually see how the mouth movements can influence what we're hearing. Ba, ba, ba. It's a bizarre effect. Remember, the only sound you're hearing is ba with a b. Ba, 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 ba. What's remarkable about this illusion is even knowing how it's done doesn't seem to make a difference. The effect works no matter how much you know about the effect. I've been studying the McGurk effect for 25 years now, and I've been the face in the stimuli. I've seen stimuli thousands and thousands of times, but the effect still works on me. I can't help it. The speech brain just takes in that information and doesn't care about what outside knowledge you bring to bear. Ba, ba. The McGurk effect shows us that what we hear may not always be the truth. But it also helps us to understand what happens when our senses conflict. When the brain has the conflicting information, it tries to make sense of that conflict. And depending on what type of modality is providing more, I guess, salient information, that information might override or at least combine with the other information. So we can't always trust what we hear, because sometimes our sense of vision takes over, enabling us to maintain a coherent view of the world. Now, does that just bake your brain or what? It did mine. I, when I first saw it, I was like, you got to be kidding me. And I had to watch the whole thing again with my eyes closed just to make sure I wasn't being told something. And if you do, if you watch the whole thing again, and you can find that on YouTube, um, if you watch, if you, if you play the thing back and close your eyes, you don't hear the difference that they're talking about. What is that talking about? This is why we walk by faith and not by sight. That's why the Bible says that, because our other sensors get involved and we're trying to make sense of what's going on here. Listen, if we can make sense of everything, we go back to knowing again. And God's not interested in what we know, all right? Our own world and our own senses will reinterpret God's words to say something else that he never said. And that something is what brings things contrary to God's words into our lives. I'm going to tell you a story and I'll close. Uh, uh, somebody that we know uh, who's a very successful, very successful businessman um, sold a company just a couple of months ago for $75 million. Not bad. Uh, <laughs> he, um, he started off when he first came to this country from Israel. Um, he started off doing the most annoying, in my opinion, one of the most annoying jobs that there could be, not necessarily for the customer, but for the person having to do it. Um, he was a door-to-door -door, uh, Kirby vacuum cleaner salesman. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Okay, uh, nothing wrong with that. It puts bread on the, and, and food on the table. All right, but um, he went out, and, and, and so he became one of the first guys to do it in the Tampa area. And, uh, and it shows you how long he's been in this country. Um, and so once he got fairly successful, then he started hiring people to do it for him. And he would hire immigrants coming to this country who didn't speak English. And he would teach them five words or four or five words. He would say, yes, Kirby, very good 
Uh, and I think the other one was by. Okay. So that's all they knew. That's the only five words they would, he would teach them. He would send them out, show them how to do the thing. And they would say, yes, Kirby, very good. Bye. That's all they would say. They had 85% sales success. 85% of their, of, of the, they would go out and, and sell 85% of the vacuum cleaners. They were setting records. They were doing all this stuff. The Kirby people were like, what are you doing? How are you doing that? And he was like, I'm hiring people that don't speak English. Now, after they had been in this market and in this process for about three to four months, their sales would take a nosedive from 85% to 5%. And so he would have to go and rehire and teach, and he wouldn't hire anybody, immigrants. He would hire immigrants again, and he, he never could figure out what was going on. And then one day it clicked in his head, it's because they don't speak English. So when they're sitting there, given the presentation and the person's going, I'm really not interested. They don't understand it. And they just keep going. Yes, Kirby. Very good. Bye. What are they saying? They're saying something contrary. Come on to the problem, staring them in the face. It was an illusion in their mind because they didn't understand it. It didn't try and make sense. Listen, when you start, once they could understand, no, I'm really not interested, then their own experiences and their own senses kicked back in and went right back to their own experiences. And now what they believe shaped where they were going. And their doubts crept in and go, well, maybe this guy doesn't want it. And then they started selling different. And they started acting different. Come on, this is good. And, and they, they stopped selling. But listen, when, when they didn't understand what was going on and they just knew all I got to do is keep saying, yes, Kirby, very good. Bye. Yes, Kirby, very good. Bye. They were selling 85% of them. Listen, if you can keep this your mind out of trying to figure out your problems and solely depend on this. And don't speak out the doubt. Don't let what your, your mind is giving you all over in your mind go, oh, I don't think this is going to work. Oh, we're going under. Oh, it's going to change. Oh, it's, it's not going to change. Oh, it's going to be bad. It's going to just, if you keep all that inside and stay hooked up to what you believe about God's word, it has to work. And don't rely on what you see and don't rely on what your own experiences are telling you. Don't rely on those things because those are telling you things contrary. They are an illusion. We must focus back on the origin so that we can get, just, uh, j get past what just the outer senses are telling us. Okay, The moment we don't focus on the truth and we speak out what we are doubting, we believe the illusion and put a stop to God's power changing, uh, God's power changing our problems. I'll close with this statement. Doubt is the one thing that will stop God's power in its tracks. And at that point, you're facing your problems on your own. We need to talk. We need to talk God's word. We need to talk Thanksgiving and we need to talk not our doubts. Watch your problems change if you'll do these things. Father, thank you for our time together today. Thank you, Lord, uh, that you did set up something for us to deal with our problems and take care of our problems and move our problems out of our lives. We thank you, Lord, that as we do what you said, now, Father, it's up to you to step in and allow your word to accompany our actions with signs following. And we thank you for the signs following. 
I thank you right now in Jesus' name that as people step out to do these things, keep their doubts inside and speak out thanksgiving and speak out your word. I thank you. The signs now come following your word to change their problems, to change their situations, to change everything that's going on in their lives. And nothing's too big, nothing's too hard, nothing's too strong. Lord, it's all based on you. And so we rely on that today. In Jesus' name.